Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Missy, a 35-year-old psychology student from the United States who's planning to focus on sex therapy. She talks about her experiences with outdoor play, the link between sexual and mental health, the issues around online sexual expression, non-pain masochism and degradation play, subdom drops, vulnerability, interrupting the mainstream narratives, the logistics of group play, and how to have a successful friends with benefits relationship. We really dug deep into friendship, sex, and relationships. My hope is, and I think Mrs. is as well, that people will be able to move into a friends with benefits space far more regularly and without the implied drama. Sex is sex, it's fun, and why shouldn't we share it? Now, there was a couple of technical issues with this recording, it cut out halfway, so I've had to cut the conversation in two. So you'll notice that we're talking about one topic, then some music will play, and then we'll jump on to a bit of a different topic, but we sort of refer back to it. To make up that issue to you, I'm going to share a story on this topic from my book, Kink Volume 1, called Friends with Benefits. So stick around after the discussion to check that out. But without further ado, let's get into it. I wanted to ask, because I looked at the information you gave me that I wanted to sort of get straight into uh, a couple of things and so the way the way that i usually do it with people is i'll ask a few questions and be like where do you want to jump off from um or we can sort of we'll sort of play it by ear the main the main question i like is like starting off with is have you ever fulfilled a true fantasy and was it all you expected uh i mean like i fantasize about things but i would never do them so there's like that difference for me but I've done so much in my life that I don't even know if it would be considered a fantasy like to most people it would like threesomes having sex outside stuff like that but yeah I should just say I I, we could play with that because I have this feeling that like before you do something or before something becomes your normal quote-unquote it's sort of looked upon in a different light but like once you start doing it and that becomes normal it's like well, that's just normal, you know, like your, your vanilla, like what, what you define as vanilla sort of creeps. It's like, I don't know if maybe it's like a kink creep or something. Like, uh, I was talking to my partner about like, cause I was asking him like, well, what vanilla, like, what do I like? That's vanilla. And I'm like, I don't maybe like our foreplay is like vanilla. It's like normal. But other than that, like from my first sexual experience, like it was rough and like, he was really into biting and like leaving marks and stuff. And so like my first straight off right the bat lost my virginity was more kinky than most people's like love making, I guess. And I've never had that. It's hard to step outside yourself as well. Like you're like you're saying that what what you experienced first time and what you're into now is, you know, sort of you know, more kinky beyond the norm. And you sort of do get a read on what's normal, but then you start speaking to people and you're like, you guys are all freaks too, you know, in your own way, right? Well, like most people I know, 
do have fairly vanilla sex most of the time. And mm. like the they'll occasionally like my best friend, she she'll have like the occasional, you know, session, but for the most part it's just like normal vanilla sex, I guess. And I don't know. Uh <laughs> when I talk to people, I'm just like I don't even want to tell you about my experiences because I, I get looked at a certain way because they're so shocked by what all of the things that I've done. I guess that's that's part of the reason for this this podcast is I want to sort of share the range of sexual experiences, you know, from like I'm, you know, I'll, I know that by the very nature of the audience that I have on the Instagram account, it will sort of right. tend more kinky, right? But I'm more than open. I'm sort of pushing people, like whoever wants to come on and share what they are into and what they do, because it, it is yeah. all. You know, obviously there's there's outlying of like you know very, you know, quite out there, and then sort of very quite vanilla. But I feel like people will fit somewhere in you know sort of a standard distribution, and it'd be curious to see where the the middle of that bell curve lies. You know what I mean? Well, like I, I mean, I believe that people should be talking more about sex in general because. So many people are like really reserved about talking about sexual experiences. Um, and I think, I think if we talk about it more, it becomes less of a stigma as well, because I like the kink community is very shamed for what they do. And it makes no sense to me because I'm like, sex is sex as long as it's consensual. 100%. The, I, I value that completely like who's to who's to say what's normal and what's not yeah there's I, I had this discussion i don't know where it was i posted some sort of meme and i basically said as long as you've got informed consent and it's legal i'm i'm pretty cool with it but then then i got a bit of pushback because of you know it depends on where you are to define what legal is you know like um right true in australia you're you know, there, there, there's hard lines on, you know, pedophilia and stuff with animals and, you know, close family members. But beyond that, it's, you're sort of free. But I got this sort of feeling from um, even in the States, um, but obviously other countries as well, what's illegal isn't, is is far more restrictive than what I would consider okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, so pretty much pedophilia, bestiality, all that not good here in the States as well. Uh, like hard limits on that. Um, but beyond that, as long as it's legal, I mean, obviously public sex is not legal in most places, but we still do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You've said that a couple of times. So let's, let's, let's dive into that. Um, just straight off the bat, what's probably the most public space that you've, um, played in? Uh, there's so many, um, (laughs) I've because I've had sex in pretty much every park in my area. Um, it's like it's like marking a territory, right? Yeah, I, I've had sex in a movie theater, um, in lots lots of cars, all various locations, um, on a balcony. Um, oh my god! Oh, I had sex in a college music room at our local community college. Uh, while there was a class next door. <laughs> nice. How how did you manage that one? Was it was it pre-planned? Like, or was it? It was um, not pre-planned. Just... It was like with some random dude. To be quite frank, like I just had just met him, and he was cute. And I was like, "Hey, let's let's go knock one out real quick." And we just <laughs> hopped in there and 
did it and it was very exciting yeah do you do you find like that is sort of like a kink or a fetish for you you really enjoy outdoor play um, I used to when I was younger and now that I'm older and I have children, then I have to worry about consequences and stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. It's, but, it's a bit more limited. But I mean, like I'll have the occasional romp in a car every now and then, you know? Fair enough. Have you ever been caught in the act in public? No, no. Can you, um, provide some, um, super sneaky ninja tips? For um, because it sounds like you've got like the experience to be able to like avoid um, avoid capture, so to speak. Um, find a good secluded spot, um, and just like kind of be aware of your surroundings while you're still doing it, even though you're in the moment, still kind of you know looking around for. Uh, we almost did, we almost did get caught by a cop, um, at a park, um, and of course this man had a. A two door Honda. So we had to climb in the back seat. <laughs> so it was even harder to like get in and out of. And, um, but he had noticed that the cop pulled up. So he was like, Oh shit, like get your pants on. And of course, I'm, I'm not smart. I was not wearing a skirt or anything. That would have been so much easier. You got, you got to dress appropriately, right? Like, yeah, you have to skirt or, yeah, you can get away with that. But I was wearing jeans, so I'm just like, oh my god, trying to pull them up and shit. Je- jeans and are then- the worst for outdoor play. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I've I've had the opportunity to, to to play with a few people outdoors, and with the sort of explicit intent that we were going to do it, and they chose not to wear a dress, and I thought it was just obvious, but I didn't. I should have expressed the 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 um the the ease of access, the necessity um, of the it, escape like- possibility, the um you know. It's it's like a uniform. It's like you, you're going into combat. You wear your your uniform. You're going into outdoor play. You wear your uniform. I did not wear the uniform that day. So I'm pulling up my pants, and as soon as I get them on, the the cop knocks on the window, and he's just like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And we were like, "Oh, we're just having a conversation. We're talking, you know." And uh, he was actually an EMT, so the guy saw the like his EMT sticker on his car, and he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, like, have a good night." I was like, oh my god, that would have been so mortifying if that, like, we had actually gotten, like, caught. He knew. The cop knew. He just didn't catch you in the act. He He knew. So knew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if you had to choose, like, the the hottest experience outdoors, where was it? Who was it with? How'd it go? What what's the um? Can you give me like the the um? You know the the top experience. I mean, the most exciting was probably the one at the college, just because like there was a class next door, and the class next door—that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, and like I am not a quiet person; like it's very hard for me to keep quiet. So, um, yeah, it. I don't know if they heard us or not. Nobody came to check. So, uh, but. That was probably the hottest experience just because it was like so random and it was not planned. Yeah. Also because it was just like out of the blue. How how long um, did it take from, from meeting this person to going to the, uh, the music room? Oh, like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Boom. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was very adventurous when I was younger. I, I can't say my conversion rate has been that quick. That's that's an impressive um turnaround <laughs> time. So 
<laughs> so uh, you said that you um, are studying psychology with a focus on sex therapy. Can you can you um, yes. tell me a bit about about that interest? Like I, I've got a background. I did an undergrad in psychology before I went into teaching. So I've got like a you know, three years of um, basically statistics and boring um, <laughs> theory under my belt. That's not at all what I thought it would be, unfortunately. Um, but can you um, can you uh, go into into your studies? Because you know, hopefully, it's uh, a little bit more interesting, particularly if you're wanting to get into the sex therapy side of things. Um, I actually, uh, for since my college career started, I was into criminal justice. Um, so I have my associates in that and it just really wasn't doing anything for me. I didn't really have passion after a while. And then I, I'm kind of in the middle of a mental breakdown. Um, so I stopped leaving my house. I'm an agoraphobic. I haven't left my house in almost three years. Um, oh, hang on. Just, just, sorry. Just, just pause for a second. There seems to, there's, a, there's a bit of a disconnect between the two there stories. Is. I'm getting there. T- tie it back in at some stage, but yeah. <laughs> I have ADHD, like it does tie back in, but so, but, um, so I stopped doing my studies right when this first happened. And then once I started to get a little bit more, more better, I guess I still haven't left a house, but more like I could take care of my kids again and socialize and do things. So I started school back up and I realized not, I don't want to do criminal justice. I really like helping people because I thought about doing um, social work, but you get really burnt out on that real quick. So yeah, I decided to look into psychology and I really liked the program. And once I started taking psychology classes, I was like, Oh my God, like this just clicks in my brain. Um, every class I've gotten a plus in, so I'm super excited about that. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, I'm getting back to my 4.0. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just fascinating to me. Like the human mind is fascinating in general. So to even just be a therapist, um, but I really want to focus more on sex therapy just because I feel like so many people like have relationship problems, but it ties a lot into their sex life. And 100%. I think if I can help people kind of get through those hurdles. I don't know. I I know a lot about sex and I know a lot about helping people. So I think that I could just be a good therapist on that. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I'm convinced that sexual health and mental health are directly correlated. Yeah. Like hundred percent. Like, you know, I've, I've got a, a wide ranging um, sort of body of work that I've put online. Um, and I've sort of started with the mental health stuff. And now um, apparently I'm just doing awesomely at um, sharing memes online. I don't, you know, I'm almost at 10,000 followers now, but I think it's right, because I'm putting, impressive. Hey, I, I don't, I, I think it's cause it's like, I'm sort of, I feel like there's two types of memes. I'll pull it back, but there's like, seems to be two types of memes. Like there's sort of like classy memes. And then there's sort of this, like, you know, when this girl does this thing to you and it's hot, I'm like, that's just, it's too much. And I feel a bit disgusted right now, you know? And right. I'm like, I'm trying to like hit, hit the sort of like the humorist slash, um, sex positive slash acceptance slash education slash funny sort of style. Right. And and it's sort of like I'm, I'm seeing this connection between all of the spaces because I'm getting a lot of cross, um, cross-pollination. The people from the kink account are heading over to my normal account, which is 
when you talk about mental health solely online, you basically get no response. I have heaps of people listening, but they don't even click like. And then two, three years later, they're like, I've been following your stuff for three years. And I finally thought I'd reach out. And it's like, dude, where, where are you? Right. But the really interesting thing I found is it's, 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 it's insane. Right. And it's like, it's very, it feels very lonely. The thing is with the, right. um, the sort of the, the, the kinky crew, they'll come back over and, um, they will be happy to, to chat and sort of, they're quite, because exp- it, it feels like they're quite open with their sexuality. They're now quite um, happy to talk about their mental health concerns, if that makes sense. So it's like, there's an openness. If you're open in one area, you're open in another area. And conversely, if you're, if you've got issues sexually or like, you know, um, sort of gender, like all of that, that whole space, it's going to translate into issues in your regular life. So fully on board with everything you're saying down that path yeah i know i i uh because i share memes you've stolen my memes i um, i will un, i will un um apologetically steal everyone's memes and i'm i'm sorry i'm never going to tag anyone because it's just the way the the game rolls <laughs> there's too many people to tag right right seriously sometimes i'll i'll, I'll say recycled from you know but occasionally it's just like I'll screen cap it and then like five days, 10 days, a month later, I'm going to share it because I've got like a file on my phone. It's like, I don't remember who, you know, like, come on. It's the, it's, it's the internet. That's, that's how I do it too. You don't own that meme. And it's a meme, you know, it's like, you didn't, you didn't create the meme. You just shared it. You stole it from someone right. else, you know? But, um, I definitely get a big response in my DMs from them and you, you you do get a big response, yes, sorry? Yes, I do. Um, even though on my profile it says, please don't DM me. Like, I'm not going to send you nudes. Like, I'm not going to do that. And all I get all day long is, hi, you're beautiful. And I'm like, oh, thanks, you know. Um, sometimes I'll respond. Most of the time I just delete them or ignore it. But uh, I get a lot, a lot, a lot of dick pics. So that's... I don't know why men uh, feel that that's necessary. Like straight off the bat, here's a dick. I get um, not as many as you probably do because it's like I do share pictures and posts of myself. But if I don't share pictures or posts of myself for a prolonged period of time, they come to yeah. me as well. You get a lot of dick pics. Do you? Do you get the guys or the girls that just start the conversation with "Hi"? And you're like, hey. And they're like, hi, how are you? And you're like, good. And it's just this awkward, just stilted sort of thing. And you're like, no, I'm just going to just just walk away from right. you there, buddy. Super fun. It's, 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 so, okay. So how, how far into your site course are you? Um, I have about... I might be graduating in spring, the end of spring, if I can hunker down and get all of the rest of my classes. If not, maybe fall next year, I'll be getting my bachelor's degree. And does that give you access to be like a sex, uh, like a sex therapist or sexual psychologist straight up, or would you have to do further study? I have to do further study. Um, I can start interning with people, um, but uh, I feel like the sex therapists are very few and far between 
like it's hard to find one i think because i haven't found one in my area um so it sounds like you're you've got a um a collection of experiences with friends with benefits does the friends with benefits does it start off with sex and then lead into a friendship or does it start off with friendship and then lead into sex? Um, for the most part, it stop, starts off with friendship first and then it leads into sex. I have had situations to the reverse where it's just sex and then we end up becoming friends. Um, you, the one that, uh, the one that I can recall that started out with sex and then we became friends. I actually did fall for him. He was probably the only one that I actually like started to have feelings for. Um, which was tough because he did not feel the same. So, so you found that you didn't get that sort of, um, it didn't go, didn't go to shit when it started with friendship and then evolved into sex. But when it started with sex and then went into friendship, it became hard. Yes. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) So that's, look, that sounds, um, sounds quite understandable actually, because it's, you haven't established, like you said earlier, the the prearranged or the pre predefined norms and the, the feelings of safety and that sort of stuff. And if it starts with sex, then you're now, you know, it's it's you're starting the relationship off with a bang. There's just that level of expectation of it started off as sex, so we're just going to keep it baseline, and like the friendship was just kind of extra, but the main base of it was sex. So, so how do you how do you navigate? Uh, friends with benefits like that 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 relationship aside so if we say that you know (laughs) like based on your your experience this success comes if you sort of turn a normal friendship sexual if you're going to have a friends with benefits relationship Mm -hmm. how do you how do you maintain the friendship when sex is involved how do you how do you coordinate it how do you set it up how do you move a relationship from just regular friends into ones with benefits. Can you, can you sort of share down any of those paths if you, if possible? Um, well, one of my, like one of the first ones that I had, um, we were friends and we would just like hang out all the time. He was like my best friend. And then, uh, one day we went to warp tour and when we were came in, coming home, we actually stopped at my mom's house. Um, and she wasn't there before we came back up to my dad's um, and we spent the night there and somehow it just turned into sex. Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe we just were amped up from the show or what have you, but it turned into sex. And then we just, um, it wasn't like a requirement to have sex with each other every time, but like most of the time we did because sex is fun. But, um, Sex is fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Just, just, just putting, just putting a little, little, little pause of the story there. People sort of seem to forget that sex is fun. It's like, what, why, why? Well, it's it's fun. Like it's a fun thing to do. Let's all just right. chill about it and and just enjoy. Like if we could just move past all of these uh sort of social rules and um sort of judgments, it's like imagine the the amount of fun sex that we could have, right? Right. Like, I mean. I have sex for fun and pleasure. Like, why would we not want more of that? You know, like orgasms are fantastic. Um, <laughs> it sounds silly to say on this side of the story, but there's this sort of, you know, the, the societal moral uh, 
impetus or judgment that's like it's not saying to do it just for procreation purposes but it's sort of implied a little bit that that's it and like you can have a bit of fun but not too much fun and to enjoy the fun side of sex it's not great you know yeah like i think that's one one barrier that i would love to just decimate is like fuck this whole we're just having sex to procreate like a lot of people don't even want to procreate um but like when i got pregnant we were not trying to get pregnant um and but we were having sex for fun and i think that that especially uh one of the biggest hang-ups that i find with a lot of my female friends is like they don't orgasm a lot of the time which is fascinating to me because i'm like you're not what i'm sorry every time i have sex i'm orgasming like that is that's my goal and lucky you uh, it sounds it sounds like the more people <laughs> i talk to that's a um a sad uh, a sad minority unfortunately it is it is and i think that's horrible like i i just want to like take it like teach a class like for women like this is how you orgasm you know like I don't know why, like where the disconnect in society is. Maybe like we were ashamed to not feel pleasure for, you know, centuries, like the man gets off, you know, and then we just get to bear the burden of children. That's a horrible way to think about things. Um, at least it's, it's like sex, sex ends with the male orgasm, right? It's like that's that's where where sort of people have landed. It's it's like the man comes, sex over. It's a it's an odd um it's an odd situation because it's seems like that's what society has just accepted. Um, uh, it doesn't seem at all fair or justified or inappropriate, but or as fun. Um, <laughs> it's it's right. it's an odd space. Um, th- there's a book that I think people would appreciate. It's called Come as You Are, and it sort of talks about the the biology and psychology of female orgasm in that path and it's sort of going down that path of trying to educate people well what what is and what isn't um normal and what isn't it isn't expected and that sort of stuff and and what you're saying with with a lot of your female friends saying that they don't come or rarely do it it's it's fairly normal unless there's you know certain aspects at play unfortunately right and like I don't know. I don't, I don't understand that because even from the first time I had sex, like, I mean, he, if he's not getting me off, I'm going to play with myself and get my, my orgasm. Or, you know, if we have sex and, um, I'm not quite there and he comes then afterwards, I'm like, well, Hey, can you help me get mine? Like, I, I'm going to get mine. (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a good attitude to have right because it's not fair for him to just come like what is the purpose of that and i mean sometimes there are those rare occasions where you know either party doesn't you know um but overall i think both parties should come of course I, I am I'm fully on board unless you're deciding to do something maybe like it in the public like we talked about where it's like okay I'm just gonna quickly do something to you or vice versa <laughs> that's um that's a different sort of play and you're right. doing it for that purpose but but you know if it's a if it's a more typical in right. the bedroom sort of love sesh 
then yeah, you both should come. And I suppose it gets into some interesting spaces of like toy usage and, you know, like I know that there's this sort of, maybe you can speak to it, but I've spoken to some some people and they describe the there's a proportion of men that feel jealous or put out or emasculated by the use of toys um, or the need for the use of toys. It's like, shouldn't I be enough? And it's like, well, no, nobody, sorry, you, you actually aren't you aren't enough and you know how 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 can how can right. they be enough when it's compared to a um you know like the human body is is um is a machine right but the machine isn't always uh right. fully functional you know like how it you can't stay hard forever you can't right. vibrate forever you can't do you know i can i can hum for a certain amount of time but you know eventually my 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 tongue's going to get tired right like it's it's I'm a biological machine that, that runs off energy, but you know, the wall socket can last forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> True that. Um, yeah, I do feel like, uh, have you, have you, have you had that experience? Uh, yes. Um, I have been with, uh, some guys who do not want to use toys. Um, they, I don't know for whatever reason they may feel emasculated by it or, they just don't feel comfortable because they never really have used toys with the woman. Um, but my, my ex, um, he loved using toys on me. Like that was his like fetish. He loved using toys and it was, and he also worked at a sex shop out here. And, um, so I got to like hang out there all the time. So I got to see all the different varieties of things and learn new things. And it was very, um, I don't know. Uh, I got to learn all of the things and I liked, uh, I like learning things. Um, but can you, can you recommend a style or a type of toy that you find the most fun? Um, I mean, every, every person is different, you know, and that's the fascinating thing for me is cause like, I don't like to use vibrating toys. Oh, really? I don't know. Uh, it is too much for me. I am extremely sensitive. So, that is like it it is too much for me i feel like i like i'm gonna explode out of my skin if i use vibrating toys um hmm. yeah and some women can only get off on vibrating toys you know so it, i think it's fascinating every every vagina every penis is different you know what, what you said that some some women can only get off on vibrating toys i just have this um this this backwards look into you know, millennia of history where vibrating toys didn't exist and that proportion of women are now, what, sexually unsatisfied? You know, there's an eternity of women just not not enjoying themselves, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> until 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 uh, the um, the modern um, invention of, of vibrating machines. <laughs> right. <laughs> with with toy usage, you said your ex enjoyed using them on you. Did did you have to at least initially um, and with him or with other people, um, share how you enjoyed them being used on you. Like, cause I, I found that like with different people, they might use the same style of toy, but how they like that toy, like you said, it's everyone's different. So it's like some people will like it done a certain way. And I, I found that it's like, if you, if you give me a bit of guidance, I can then sort of see where the ballpark is and then sort of adapt and play and sort of grow my understanding of what you like from there. But if, if you're stabbing in the dark, it really is a, a bit of a hit and miss sort of situation. Right. Um, well, and I think during sex in general, um, but especially with toy usage, you, you do have to kind of guide your partner on what you like. 
Um, I know even without toys, I, I'm very vocal if I'm not enjoying it or I'm like, you need to go over to the left a little bit, you know, or, you know, uh, cup your fingers a little bit more, you know, hit that G spot. But, um, I, uh, I'm very vocal, uh, on my pleasure. I know a lot of women aren't because they just, I feel like they feel intimidated almost to speak up during sex. Is it an intimidation thing or a shyness thing or like a lack of feeling worth thing or maybe a, even a um, like a not having that behavior modeled thing? Uh, probably a combination of all of them. I think, um, I mean, where do you learn that from, you know, like mm. how to speak up? It's not like your mom's going to be like, oh, yeah, speak up during sex, you know, um, and in porn, they don't, you know, they're not like that. You know, um, it's it's an interesting space. You know, like like maybe you get it from like a peer group if your peer group's comfortable talking about it. But it's it's yeah, like where where do you get that modeling, right? Right. Like I just I'm very straightforward with sex because again I like to orgasm, and if you're not going to get me there, then like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are we here for? <laughs> like I have to uh, like. There is some guidance. They don't know your body the way that you know your body. So, um, yeah, there definitely has to be uh, communication. 100%. Have you provided communication or guidance and it's been taken the wrong way? As in, like, you're just saying, like like you said, like, you know, cut your fingers, move to over here, like, just try this. And it's caused a conflict, so to speak, like a like an issue in the bedroom. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, my ex, um, he was like, oh, I can't do anything right. I'm never good enough for you kind of thing. Um, but that's because he was a narcissist and that was the whole thing. But um, my partner now, he is, he loves when I give him like, you know, hey, do this because he loves getting me off, you know? Hmm. And I feel like you should have a partner who wants to help you orgasm, you know? like. Again, that's the goal is to to orgasm. Hundred percent agreed. There's, I've had a, had this discussion with a few people. It's like, what what do I personally enjoy? And there are things that I do enjoy myself, like kink wise or fetish wise. Like we're talking about the outside play before. Like that's that is a bit of fun. But the thing that I enjoy most out of everything is getting the partner off. You yeah. know, when they're when they're when they're like losing themselves in an orgasm watching and feeling that is one of the hottest things ever it's mm-hmm. incredible it's like it's 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 both aesthetically pleasing it's psychologically pleasing because it's like you know they're in such ecstasy and there's sort of like the power play it's like look what i can do with my body with my with my hands with you know the use of these toys i can cause this you know i can cause you to fall into this space there's something there that i enjoy mm-hmm. so it's like if you can help me to to you know understand the mechanisms of your body and your mind so that I can make you come um, to such an extent that you can't, you know, you can't speak, you lose, you lose like, you know, your footing, yes. so to speak. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I want. You know, I don't know. I don't, it sort of boggles my mind and, and, you know, maybe it's a value thing or a kink thing or whatever that people can sort of want to just get off and walk away or are okay with that. You know, like it's, it's like, yeah, like, I might need a little bit of downtime after I've come, but I'm definitely want to make you come too, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll do my best to to ensure that it happens first for you, if possible. Right, <laughs> right. 
I suppose this like tie, ties back to the to the friends with benefits thing, right? We yes. we want our friends. Like, what what's the purpose or the point of a friend? If the point purpose and point of sex is to come in this sort of framework, you know, to to connect, to you know, to experience something together, the point of the friendship, a friendship, is to provide mutual support, to provide um, guidance, to provide mutual um, pleasure, right? Not sexually. So so why can't we take that a step further? And then play with each other a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Uh, I I mean I I I very much enjoy friends with benefits situations. Um, I I mean that's probably a psychological thing for me, as I'm not really a, a commit a commitment person. But uh, when I do, I fully commit to that person. Uh, but I like the friends with benefits because there also is an openness to it. Because if I want to go have sex with another person i can tell my friend like hey i'm i'm gonna go be intimate with this person over here you know um and it may not if you know it may lead to a relationship and then our our sexual friends with benefits thing stops or it could just be like a one-off and you know i go back to my friend with benefit um Hmm. but we the one i have now we are very communicative um about everything um and I really do enjoy that. And I like, uh, he's just a wonderful person. Um, and I enjoy his friendship even out, like outside of sex. He's just amazing just to be with as a friend. And then the sex is like, Oh, this is a bonus. Yay. So what's, cause that sounds like a fairly well-rounded sort of situation in terms of like a relationship. What's, what's the, um, What's stopping you taking that into a relationship or, or maybe having like a, like an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship with this person? Like what, what's, what's the distinction between where you're at with the friends with benefits if um, he's providing you with sort of such a level of, of comfort and support? Does that sort of make sense? Like where, where's, where's that difference or distinction? Like neither of us actually want a fully committed relationship. And I don't think he really would be into like a polyamorous relationship. Um, even though that's kind of what we're doing, but neither of us has, have, has had sex with anybody else yet. Um, because we, I mean, I see him almost every day. So, and most of the time we're having sex every day. So it's very satisfying as it is. Um, but I don't think uh, this particular relationship would go further beyond friends. Hmm. Like, I don't think we just have like uh, romantic feelings towards each other, and I think that's the difference. It's it's such an interesting space to to discuss because it's it sort of blurs, you know. Like you you mm-hmm. you feel a certain way, you you connect, you 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 know. Like as if you have sex with someone, it can change the relationship. It can make it better. It can make it worse. It can make it deeper. It can make it focus just on something. It can. It's it's a it's a tricky situation, and I'm I'm curious about it because you know to be honest, having um, friends with benefits, I think is quite fun. Um, I'd like to be able to play in that space <laughs> more so. Um, you know, it's just, you know, some some friends are quite cute, right? Um, right. <laughs> but but you don't want to you don't want to want to mess the friendship up either. Don't want to lose the the lose the good stuff. Um, trying to sort of like mm-hmm. make it even better, you know. And you don't want to like give the false impression. Like I've had a couple of 
um, friends with benefits relationships, which I thought were fairly explicitly that. Um, uh-huh. But it on on their end, um, maybe they thought it would evolve into something else, or maybe over the time they wanted it to, maybe not initially, but then eventually. Um, right. Maybe I didn't clarify it enough, or we didn't have the open and honest communication. Like it's unfortunate because it's caused you know breakdowns of relationships. Yeah. Um, but ideally, you know, like moving forward, it'd be like, okay, let's just really make sure we're talking back and forward. So this is what we're feeling now. If something changes, let's discuss it. We've you know have those open and honest discussions. I suppose is the key. I know there was uh, there was a point in time uh, in because we've been doing this for almost a year now. Um, there was a point, um, where, cause I, I've been trying to get over my ex and I think I transferred my feelings from my ex to my, my friend with benefit. And I had a conversation with him and I was like, Hey, I think I like you, um, more than just a friend. And we had to talk about it. And he was just like, well, I, I don't really want a relationship from you, but you know, I enjoy your company and I enjoy having sex with you. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yes that was the original deal. Like, I don't know why I put my feelings into it, but I, through therapy, realized that it was just transference and that I didn't actually have those romantic feelings for him. Um, but I had to figure that out through therapy as well. <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of friends with benefits relationships do end in disaster because one party usually gains feelings romantically for the other person. So it's just a lot of, a lot of communication and openness. You said, yeah, they gain, they gain romantic feelings and it's sort of like sex causes the romantic feelings. But if, if you're having sex just for, you know, for fun, for orgasm, for, you know, the, the, the physical pleasure of it, romance or those romantic or that love sort of whatever that sort of other sensation is, those sort of, you know, the, yeah. the feelings, quote unquote, doesn't necessarily um, have to have to connect, have to be there, right? Right. Like to me, sex, sex is not love. I think because of all the sexual experience, like my first sexual experience was not a a love thing. Like most people have their first time is with someone they're in a relationship with and they love and it's special. Mine was not that. So I don't equate sex with love. Um. And a lot of people do. So could you personally feel like maybe you could fall in love into a romantic relationship with someone without sex or sex isn't, is like a, a separate thing to that feeling? Um, yes. Um, because, uh, I feel like if sex was taken out of the equation altogether and you just know that person, um, uh, you love them for who they are, you know, not just because of the sex. I, I'm just digging down on this so much because it's, um, I don't know, a lot of people sort of talk about wanting friends with benefits and right. then a lot of people talk about having terrible experiences with it and other people, you know, like it's it's this space that's sort of like a, a bit of a dream and not just for guys, like girls as well. Like there's, there's I've, I've spoken to so many people online and in person that just want to have some casual sex with someone that they feel safe with. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a space there for like, well, I don't want to be in a long-term relationship where we're thinking about moving in and having kids and getting married in this space. But I also don't want to have like, yeah, like the Tinder date where it's like, I'm going to hook up with this random person that I've never met. It's like, I want that physical comfort. I want the sex. I want the orgasm from a, from a friend that, that sort of can hold space for me, but knows they're not going to, um, 
you know, do you, do you sort of see where I'm going with that? It's like there, there is, there is. I feel like that we need to like break open that space and sort of normalize it more so because it's. I definitely agree. Uh, because I mean, you want to have sex with someone who you know you trust and who is safe, and your friends are those people. Um, mm. Not saying that you should have sex with all of your friends, but if that's your thing, <laughs> go ahead. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I feel like, um, again, if you go on Tinder, Hinge, or wherever, it's just some random person that you don't really know, and you can't really explore as much either because you don't know that person, so you don't trust them. So it's not like I I would not go on a Tinder date and be like, oh, hey, I'm into you know being tied up. I don't know this fucking person. I'm not having him tie me up. Who knows what the hell he's going to do to me? You know, like there's that level of trust that needs to happen. I I fully agree, and even just from a straight pleasure perspective, like I, if I know the person, the more I know the person, the more pleasure I personally have. And I'm a guy, so guys guys typically seem to get off easier with more sort of like um less less emotional attachment. But like girls need that seemingly right. a lot more, right? Before they can come, before they can sort of really right. get into it. So it feels like. Um, you know, not, not everyone, obviously everyone's different, but yeah, with, with a close friend that you can sort of know and you can sort of deal with and talk with and, um, it's not super serious. Like it, it, there's a level of just comfort that you can get from a friend that you can't get from a complete stranger unless, you know, unless you've really hit it off and you sort of, um, (laughs) connect, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe in a music room somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously there's, there's, you know, there are times like that, but, um, in general, you know, we're talking about generalities. It's, it's, um, you want that comfort, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to um, ask something else as well. Um, I asked you a few questions and you you said that you were um, a non-pain masochist or you're into a bit of that play. Yeah. Can you, can you sort of explain that? Because like masochism is like the enjoyment of pain, right? Which way, sadomasochism? Yeah. Which way does it go? I always get confused. Um, it is. But but you're talking about <laughs> non-pain, non, non-physical pain, enjoyment of pain. Non-physical pain, yeah. <laughs> Um, can you can yeah. you can you go um, go into some de- in depth on that? So I have fibromyalgia, so my body hurts all the fucking time. Um, so I don't like being hurt. Um, also, I had trauma as a child, so I don't like being hit. Sometimes, I mean, lightly hit is okay, like smack on my butt here and there, but I do not want bruises, stuff like that. Also, I have children, so I don't really want to explain like why mommy's all bruised up. Um, but, uh, the non-pain masochism is like, uh, the verbal, the verbal side of it. Like you can hurt me with your words, you know, you can call me like whatever you want. I like the verbal degradation of it, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say degradate, like a degradation play. Yes. Okay. So my, my, my first, um, response would be how, how do you, um, sort of come back to a state of normality after degradation play because obviously there's there's a there's an enjoyment of the words and the usage of the words combined with the acts that you're doing and it's sort of putting into into the headspace um that sort of space but after uh after you play do you still talk and communicate in that sense or is it sort of just a bedroom act and and how do you sort of come back to 
a non-sexual state of mind from there? Um, like with a couple of my partners, we usually have like a, a like if they're calling me, whatever. Um, after that, they would you know say you know good girl or something like that. So there's like a switch word that kind of brings me back to a normal state of okay this is that was in the bedroom and now I'm I'm normal again um like uh one partner is into puppy play and to get him out there's there's a word that I have to use to bring him back to normalcy is there a bit of a like a like a, a sub drop dom drop sort of situation with the degradation play as well mhm um like I'm I'm very submissive most of the time I've been learning how to be more dominant which is very different for me because my whole life I've been very very submissive um but my ex um he really wanted me to be very dominant over him and it was it was a little difficult for me at first but I did start to try like really enjoy it um there was one time though um I I went to go smack him across the face and I caught his eye and I bruised his eye so bad. I oh, and no. I felt I felt so horrible that I was like I don't ever want to do that again like like it traumatized me like I don't want to be so dominant that I hurt somebody like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when people are submissive, right? Like or that's where their their main orientation is. Um and then they're sort of like mm-hmm. moving into that switch or dom space. Part of me mm-hmm. wonders if it's their submissiveness agreeing to play the dominant, if that makes sense. Like, are you? No, are you- I, I do totally understand that because I think that's what my, the, in my head, I'm like, okay, you want me to be dominant, so I'm going to cater to you because I am submissive to you. You know, <laughs> like it's almost like another role I'm playing for you. So it's, it's like double submissive. <laughs> yeah no i'm I'm fully on board i I wonder that about myself it's like well if she likes being dominated and that's what gets her off and i get off on getting people off and i play the dominant role now i'm the dominant one but the underlying mental state of why i'm doing this is because i want to make them and please them and be the thing that they want so where where are we actually you know <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting space like because it's it's all you know I don't know who I was talking to someone and they were saying how they um their partner they want their partner to be more dominant but the partner was uh, from a physical perspective like didn't want to hurt their hurt, hurt them they were worried about like the headspace it put them into it's it's a whole you know this is I suppose pulling it back to the psychology of all of this why why do you like the right. degradation play why do people like in you know giving and receiving pain you know right. can can you give some insights into the psychology behind it like what what's what's the joy because other people will hear like the idea of degradation play and they you know they're completely turned off it feels like anti-feminist it feels disgusting like and it's like a lot of shame there but i'm i guess they don't understand the the internal space and maybe maybe you can help sort of i mean obviously everybody's brain is different so everybody does things for different reasons um uh, I think my psychology behind I the way I like degradation plays because uh, I was abused as a child. 
Um, so for some reason, like that just is my normal. And it's a weird fucking mm. thing for me. Um, but I get to play it out because in some way I am in control of it. And I think that's the big thing of it is the control factor to it. Because I can tell you, okay, I'm done with this now. Like you can stop calling me that. And I, I, I can, I can very much relate to what you're saying on, on a personal level as well. I've experienced um issues around sexual trauma and stuff. And I think, it's a sort of an unspoken common factor in this community that some, not all, but there's a distinct um, percentage of people that are sort of reclaiming their sexuality by safely exploring stuff that happened to them. If that makes sense. No, agreed. 100% on that one. Um, Obviously not everybody in the community has been abused, but it's again, reclaiming the control of it all. Like, because when I was abused, I had no control over it. And now I can control the situation that I'm in. Hmm. It's, 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 it's hard for me. Like I, I have issues that I get like at times I'll feel a sense of arousal, but I'll also feel a sense of that sort of trauma flashback trigger thing. And it's sort of like, there's this, there's this, at times right. this sort of internal confusion and issues, this internal battle that I'm feeling. Can you can you sort of relate to that in any sense? Yes, definitely. I know there's been certain situations where I've had flashbacks of um, when I was uh, abused and I had to stop the session completely and my person just like, you know, stopped and then um, I kind of like, they helped me through um, just like coping with it all. And that partner was amazing. Um, but not every partner is going to be like that as well. So that's why I feel like you need to be choosy with who you trust and stuff with the acts that you're doing. Um, but it, again, that goes to like aftercare and everything like that too. You need to make sure that your partner is in a safe space, especially mentally. Um, and it, it, sex can trigger certain um flashbacks of things um but you have to make your partner aware of that as well 100 percent. it's it's an interesting space like like back to the the person that you're choosing to have sex with if it's a random person like i i almost feel like the emotional side of things is far more vulnerable than the physical side and obviously this is speaking from a male perspective but if if like me standing naked in front of you and having sex with you feels a lot less open and honest and vulnerable and sort of scary than me sort of expressing, you know, Hey, this, this happened to me in the past. This is how it's impacting me. These certain things happen. It comes out of the blue, like, like explaining that feels far more deeper than just sex. Oh, for sure. Um, I know it's, it's so much easier for me to have sex with someone than actually open up to them. <laughs> um, <laughs> opening up like Maybe maybe the mainstream um it's just they've got that flipped. It's like, well I can open up and talk, but like just you know, sex is the is the uh the pinnacle of connection. Right. It's just easier just to get naked. Yeah. We're naked, we're grinding our bits and the you know, the grinding of the bits equals pleasure. Like let's let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting space. I'm um forever curious about 
my own sort of desires and 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 feelings like i i i connect when i'm in a heightened state like when i'm quite emotionally aroused like sort of stressed or you know something's going on i notice a distinct level of horniness increasing mm-hmm. it's almost like stress equals horniness um and it, that's led me to have a lot right. of um, discussions with my therapist <laughs> being like hey what the fuck's up um is this normal is this a problem is this that and they're, they're sort of like well it's not a problem unless it is a problem you know and i'm like that doesn't help right. because now i'm thinking about it <laughs> um you know and like and then it's you know because like I was reading somewhere where or listening to something and it was sort of like sex operates off the both the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So you've got to sort of have this sort of counterplay between arousal and relaxation. Mm-hmm. If you're too relaxed, you fall asleep. If you're too right. aroused, like um psychologically aroused, you you know, you you skid off into anxiety. So it's sort of like this this counterplay between the two. Um so it's yeah, there's this sort of dual system at play that's um kind of hard. So it sort of makes sense that with increased um, psychological arousal, you know, stress, anxiety, you will feel a bit of sexual arousal, particularly with the past, um, issues of, of trauma and stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird space to play in. Hey, (laughs) this is, this is all, um, pre pre planning for the sex therapy later on. It's like, no, no, it's normal. You're all good. This is, this is just how we are. (laughs) Right. Most things are normal. Even if you don't think it's normal, it's probably normal. I am fully on board with that. And that's one of the things I'm, I hope that this this podcast um, series can bring is this idea that like, hey, it's normal to be aroused. It's normal to enjoy sex. It's normal to look at some of your cute friends and be like, hey, they're cute. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, and like maybe it's not like the global mainstream narrative, but the thing is, is that narrative is never actually fully expressed, right? It's not like there's one like this is what should be done. It's it's your interpretation of what you uniquely have grown up with from your parents, from your society, from your school, from your right. religion, from all of that sort of stuff comes together and equals society's view. And that's not necessarily true. It definitely isn't true, in fact. Like, you know, it's just your personal view. So hopefully through <laughs> these sort of discussions we can we can get there, right? Right. <laughs> so I wanna um I wanna I wanna sort of um tie tie things up here is there something i might actually one one more question actually okay you said earlier you said earlier on you you will um fantasize about things but not do them or you haven't done them yet what would be a unfulfilled Um, fantasy that you would love to actually fulfill at some stage what are you what are you working towards (laughs) um well not that i i see i fantasize it but i honestly don't think i could ever go through with it like um when I watch porn, like I'll watch like gang gang porn and like that gets mm. me going, but I would never partake in that because like that seems first of all, like that's a lot. <laughs> it does seem like a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's a lot going on, you know? Um, like I've had threesomes and stuff, but uh, that's, a, that's a little bit easier to handle than, you know, a whole bunch of people. Um, what, what was the gender split with the threesomes you've had? I've had both. Um, uh, I've had more threesomes with another female and a male. And then I've had a couple with two men and me. Um, But they're all enjoyable experiences. Mm. Any any more than three is a bit much. Um, 
I haven't had that, so I don't I don't know how the dynamic would work. But I mean, I could maybe get into you know a fourth or maybe even a fifth. But see, see the setup of I'm always curious about the setup of threesomes or two or two or more people, right? It's pretty it's pretty easy to um to 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 do the logistics of a one-on-one connection you add a mm-hmm. third person it becomes a bit more tricky you add a fourth person or more and it's like now you really need like a club or a society or like a close <laughs> group of friends or like like the logistics of it isn't an right. easy experience you know what i mean how do you how do you, how do you coordinate it like what's right i need, I need like an event manager <laughs> <laughs> plan all this out you would go over here you go over here yep we connect here or even yep. like not just in um, not just in the moment, but like not just like the actual act of doing it. That's a whole separate thing. Like you watch gangbang porn, there's literally a director <laughs> saying, like, you do this, move over there, like this is the camera <laughs> angle. But like you know, like it's like if if you've got like say five people in a room just doing stuff together, like it's gonna it's gonna get a bit you need someone there, you know, really dominant saying like do exactly this. You need you know, it's 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 a logistics problem at that stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I really appreciate you, um, being on the podcast and there has been quite a few technical issues that for some reason have resolved themselves for the last 45 minutes. So we've been doing quite well. Is there anything you want to swing back to or elaborate on that we might've got interrupted? I know one of the questions you sent me was, uh, who was your biggest influence in owning your kink? Yes. (sighs) Like, because. I've never, I've never really had vanilla sex, so I think uh, it's a whole bunch of influences. But um, shoot, uh, six to eight years ago, roughly, I don't know, I'm bad with time. Um, one of my friends' brothers came out from New York, and I met him, and we started talking after he went back to New York, and. He introduced me to a nudes group on Facebook, and it, okay. was, it was very interesting. It very much opened my eyes because people taking pictures of themselves, doing things, um, tying themselves up, stuff like that. And that it really kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to there's a lot more to everything. And it's always fun to just share pictures of yourself with your friends, you know? Um, a lot of them I still talk to, um, even though the group has dissipated. Provided you got the friendships to be able to do that. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he really did open my eyes to a lot of different things, which I, I'm very grateful for him on that. And then also my ex, um, because he worked at, um, the sex shop, like there was, I learned a lot from just exploring everything in the shop whenever I'd go hang out with him. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was a lot of different things. So I think they were probably my two biggest influences in owning my kink. You sort of said, or the theme of what you've said sort of was like, they showed you possibilities and before it's sort of like, you weren't aware of like a few letters of the <laughs> alphabet. It's like, Oh, those are cool letters. I'll explore right? those letters. Is that, is that sort of, yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Like if, if they, if they didn't show you, if you weren't exposed to it, if they didn't, then I would have never known. Yeah. It would have just been like, Oh, I went my whole life not knowing about these things, but it's very cool to, I mean, I, I'm a learner. I love to learn things. So 
it's very cool to learn new things, especially sexually, and explore because I mean that just kind of adds to the fun of it all. And sex really is should be fun. Mm. I'm I'm fully on board with that. I I appreciate and and maybe the this podcast will itself help to just open people's eyes to different possibilities. It like I mean this discussion that we've had had now is it's it is possible to have friends with benefits that work. Like there are pitfalls right. to avoid and issues that you might have, but that's a possibility. Like look into it. You know, right. if if you're feeling like that would be a good thing, like it can be done. You know, if you if you feel like like with if, like and that's communication is key. <laughs> do elaborate, please. What 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 specific like, communication? Uh, just being very upfront with your friends with benefit. You know, like this is what I expect from this um, relationship. I don't want anything beyond that, and just keep. Uh, the lines of communication open also um like if you want to go have sex with someone else you need to be you need to be upfront and honest about that because um that can create a lot of drama and unnecessary things can you give me a very specific example of of some of the sort of communication where you say it's like i you want this or you don't want this like i agree with you like like talk as much as you can and sort of say what you're doing or like, you know, if you're going to have sex with other people as well, make sure everyone's aware of the whole situation. But like when you say it's like when you want or don't want something, can you give a specific example of what you might say? Like when me and my friend with benefit first started, we were like, we, neither of us want a relationship. So we both made that very clear to one another. Like, I don't expect a relationship out of this. Um, I want to, you know, be your friend. I want to have fun with you. Um, but I don't expect anything beyond just friendship and sex. And like putting that line of, I don't want a relationship is very important because I feel like a lot of people, especially women, they want that eventually. And that becomes a very blurred line and, what's what's the line that you wouldn't what what's the line of crossing that would say that you're in a relationship as opposed to a friends with benefits so like like you're saying like you don't want a relationship what where is that line or did you define what that would be so what what would classify you as like oh this is stepping a bit too far we need to pull it back or we need to have a serious discussion now i mean it's different for everybody but i mean we god i can't think of one right now you put me on the spot, and my mind just went. Um, because, because uh, the reason I'm the reason I'm drilling down on this is that from a from an outside perspective, if you're having sex, if you've got open and honest communication, if you're there for each other and you're seeing each other every day, what what more could happen to make that like? Some people would consider that a great romantic relationship. Do, do right. you sort of see what I'm saying? Like, what what is what's the line? And then if you're, if you're sort of in the poly space, then it's like, that's exactly what it is. Cause yeah, we're going to have sex with other people. We're going to have connections with other people. What, what, um, what would have to be added that would cross um, that line for you to take it beyond friends with benefits? I'm putting a spanner into the works here. <laughs> um, well, cause like, it's different for me because like, um, like he actually has met my parents. He knows my kids because we're friends, you know? Um, but like, I don't know. There's just certain things that like, he's not here 
like I don't cook him dinner, you know, um, there's certain things that like we don't do like normal couples would do. Um, I'm not like cuddling him. Um, like we just have, we have sex, you know, and then like we go about our day. Um, mm. but so if you imagine like maybe a best friend relationship, but then you may fuck yes. at some stage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then, cause it's, it's, I'm sort of, it's sort of like you're saying these things that are like sound small, but also they add up into sort of like a lot of relationship cutenesses that when all collectively put together do send, tend to lean into something. Right. Like, more. I mean, like we give each other gifts on like holidays and stuff like that because we're friends and we love each other as friends, but there's mm. just no like romantic feelings, I guess. Like we just don't get that. Like there's not that extra level, I guess, to it. And and this isn't like the only time you've had a friends with no. benefits either. So it's, 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 it's not, it's not like you've, you've, you've played in this right. space before. Have you, have you ever had any concurrent friends with benefits, like sort of two or yes. more at once? Um, and was were they were they all aware of each other? They didn't know each other, but they knew like of each other, yes. Um, because and that and that was fine between everyone for a while or indefinitely. Um, like what was that's all that it worked. Was, it was okay. Like they, I mean, they didn't voice any uh, problems with it to me. Because I was very upfront and honest, like, hey, uh, I am also doing this person over here, you know, like, I, I don't mm. like to hide things. I'm a very bad liar. So <laughs> um, I just like to be upfront and honest anyway. And um, also, I think that leads to a level of trust as well, because you're, you're telling them about what you're doing. Um and then if they have any problems with it, they can say, eh, I don't really want this, you know? Um, mm. And then you can just go on from there. Um, because I feel like some people, a lot of people are not into um, poly situations, um, you know, and they may be afraid of, you know, catching something or, you know, whatever they, or, just jealousy in general mm, it's well like you said it's it's the open and honest communication isn't it mm -hmm. just starting off talking yes and then just having the space to continue talking and if you do have a strong friendship then it will you know you will hopefully have the the back work in order to be able to discuss it and if it doesn't work out or you pushed it too far it's like maybe you weren't the friendship wasn't as deep or as close or as true right. as you thought it was. You know, like like if you if you do get into a friends with benefits relationship and it does break down, well, it's not necessarily saying friends with benefits is bad. It might just be that you made the wrong choice in that situation or that the friendship itself wasn't that great because friendships break down, you know? Yeah. Like my friend now, um I think even whenever we do eventually start to see other people or whatever, I think we will definitely still be friends because we have a strong friendship foundation. Um, and, mm. um, we just care about each other a lot. Um, like my kids know him, my family knows him, you know, um, I know his, I know his family. Um, we just have a good, good, strong friendship and, um, the sex is just kind of a bonus. It's, 
I love it. I'm I'm such a fan. And if this podcast can encourage people to give uh, friends with benefits <laughs> a try, it would be great. Um, yeah. Let's let's, let's normalise that. <laughs> what do you think? We'll um yes, we'll start a start a movement. <laughs> you can um maybe maybe you can base a if you have to do it like a thesis or a masters or whatever it is. Right. Um, it can be like the um the efficacy of um friends friends with benefits on mental health on Middle America or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope that 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 would be a fun way to uh, do some uh, some research. <laughs> Look, I I really do appreciate your time, and um, it's been lovely chatting with you. And thank God the uh, technical issues have <laughs> resolved themselves for the the hour we've been discussing now. Finally, finally ceased. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure what will make it into the final cut, but there is an option for me to put up um, outtakes and stuff. So we might, I might be able to blend it in and sort of make it into a um, cohesive whole, or I might just sort of take uh, this last little discussion we've had now and um, put that into the into the final product and um, just do like a sort of a side upload of the um, the outtakes <laughs> with the other discussions. But you know, this, this is how it is. And it's like, you know, if we're having these discussions, it is almost an analogy to sex, right? It's never perfect. There's always a bit of awkwardness and getting to know each other and um, dealing with the uh, technical issues. It's like, you know, if you're using a toy and the um, batteries okay. break, uh, you have, to, you you have, to, to, you have to operate on the fly now. <laughs> Although for you, maybe that wouldn't be a problem. You'd be like, yeah, like no batteries at all. But um, <laughs> so I, I really do appreciate your time. Um, and thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. No dramas. Um, and I'll, I hope to steal a bunch more of your memes. Um, and maybe you can steal some of mine. We can have like a little... Uh, a meme <laughs> uh, Laundering operation. Me- a, a laundering operation of um, of, uh, of the memes and, and never crediting anyone. So th- <laughs> thank no you so problem. much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Just want to say thank you to Missy for jumping on board with the podcast. You're an amazing guest and I look forward to stealing some more memes from you. And if anyone else wants to steal memes from Missy, um, check the links in the show notes and you can check out her Instagram right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to support it, the absolute best thing you can do is give it a five-star rate and review wherever you're listening to it. And also just tell someone, say, hey, check this out, give it a listen, it's great. That's the that's the best. If you want some more direct options to support, there's a couple of things you can do. You could jump onto the uh, Kinky Podcast Patreon. Um, like I said before, we're just starting this up. It's going to be a $5 tier starting out, and that will give you access to behind-the-scene footage, any outtakes, all of that good stuff. As well as opportunities to ask questions if I decide to do a Ask Me Anything episode. Um as well as uh, the the ability to sort of see where different bonuses and benefits and options will go. I'm thinking about doing a exclusive uh, Discord channel just for the kinky community Discord members, Patreon members. So if that interests you, head over, support, check it out. I also encourage you to grab a copy of my book, Kink Volume 1. It's a collection of BDSM and kinky-inspired short fiction and poetry. And like I said in the intro, I'm going to play you the chapter called Friends with Benefits, just as a way to um, make up for some of the technical difficulties we had during this episode. I thought I would just add a little bit of extra bonus content to the end of this episode. So check that out. And it's been lovely having you guys on board. If you'd like to be a guest yourself, or you'd like to sponsor the podcast, 
shoot me an email um, and just let me know what you can bring to the podcast that you want to be involved and I'll connect with you. The links to that and everything else that I've mentioned is in the show notes below. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And just one last thing before I play the chapter Friends with Benefits from Kink Volume 1, I just wanted to remind you of my other podcasts. I've got the Reality Check podcast and the Abundance Mentality podcast. So search them up and listen to them wherever you're listening to this one. Enjoy the story. Friends with Benefits Look, I'll admit it. You were right and I was wrong. Satisfied? said Frankie, adjusting herself on the couch. Not yet, replied Val, shifting slightly. I think you owe me the full story. Besides, we made a bet, and I know you are not one to skirt payment. He winked at her, and she rolled her eyes. He glanced at her over the top of his glasses and smiled, giving her the look that she was all too familiar with by now. The one that said, You are a silly goose, and you know it, but nonetheless, I accept you. Frankie trusted Val more than anyone because she knew he would always have her back. He was her rock, and she was his. He had helped her escape the clutches of her narcissistic father, and since then, he had always been in her corner, through her many boyfriends, flings, and regrets. She shuddered involuntarily at some of the memories that came flooding back. All right, she said, tying her hair in a ponytail. Give me a moment to get ready and you'll get your story and your payment. But Val... Yeah, he said. This time, I... Well, just don't laugh too much, okay? Frankie, remember when the fisherman caught you sucking that guy off at the end of the pier? Did I laugh too much then? Yes, you were belly laughing about it for a week, and kept ordering us fish and chips on movie night for a month just to rub it in my face, Frankie said with a huff. Ah, true. And yet you still told me about the time your then-boyfriend's mother found your bright red panties in his pocket on wash day, he said chuckling. And about the two guys at the festival. And that one time you were so horny that you took off all your... Okay, okay, Frankie cut in with a smile and shook her head. Fair, but still, this is a lot, even for me. She shut the television off and unfolded a rug between it and the couch. You haven't even begun yet, and I'm already excited, Val said, getting himself comfortable. I think I'm ready. Frankie sighed as she set herself up on the ground. Unrelated, but how nice is this rug? So much better than the hardwood floor on the knees, you know? Nobody, I wouldn't know. Seeing as you're the one that keeps losing our little bets. Hey, that hurt, Val said, rubbing his inner thigh. I'll do shut up, and while you're at it, wipe that smirk off your face. See, this is why I love making bets with you, Frankie. I know you so well that I can predict with an almost guarantee that when push comes to shove, you will break first. Buddy, you're an absolute nympho at heart. Hell, at this point, I think you're losing these bets just so you have to pay up on them, Val chuckled. You are just jealous because I'm so much better than you at picking up, Frankie said with a ditzy accent. Quit stalling and get to work, and while you're at it, tell me the goddamn story already, 
he said with a mock sternness. With that, Val put his hands behind his head, reclined back on the couch, and closed his eyes. Frankie settled down and got herself comfortable. Her story may take a while, and she didn't want to tell it in two sittings. She knew Val wasn't a quick finisher, but she also knew that he very much enjoyed hearing her tales. The good, the bad, and in most cases, the slutty. She took a sip of water, licked her lips, and began. Okay, so, remember that guy I told you about last week? The one with the mohawk and the nose piercings? The one you suggested was overcompensating with the neck and hand tattoos? Mm-hmm, replied Val absently. Blinking, he added, The one who sold you the fun baggie? The one you flashed at the beach? Or the one you met on the way home from the rave? Ouch! Frankie sighed and said resignedly, The one who sold me the fun baggie. What? I have a type. Sue me. She laughed and changed her movement pattern. Val coughed, telling her to please do continue with her story. Anyway, I rocked up late to the party and a little bit baked. Okay, quite late and extremely baked. There weren't many people left, just him and a few of his mates. She paused, biting her bottom lip. Mmm, they were all, well, similar to him, you know. I was instantly dripping with excitement. Val chuckled and jumped again at another pinch. Oh, please, like you could resist playing with four drunk college prims, all wearing identical plaid skirts and cardies, all eyeing you up and down, talking about the depravity that they wanted to bestow upon you, Frankie said. You know they wouldn't be talking like that, said Val. Yes, yes, you prefer to be the one in charge leading them, opening them up to the wonders of sexual freedom bestowed upon them by Master Daddy Dom Sir Val the Most Holy, Frankie mocked. This is my story, and well, a group of those kind of men, talking to me like that, is what gets me going, okay? So stop giggling, lay down, and enjoy the rest of this. He smiled and pushed his short hair up in the middle. Perhaps, if I hold my hair like this, you'll have the added inspiration to fully pay out on our bet. This time Val yelped from a bite. Look Val, not gonna lie, it helps. But we both know you aren't my type. How can you go through life without a single tattoo or piercing? Val began to respond, but was cut off by Frankie's hand, pushing him back down against the couch. But let me tell you a little secret, buddy. They would probably think you to be the baddest little boy if they were to discover a secret tat here or there. So he touched his upper thigh and belly. You know, something for their eyes only. They would squirm right out of their knee-high socks and arrange their flats neatly by the wall like the good little girls you want them to be. Frankie, I appreciate the jest, but now isn't the time. I'm not going to last forever here. Val pulled Frankie in closer by her top. Can you please get back to the story? You're no fun, Frankie huffed, then giggled and blushed. Okay, but remember, you promised not to laugh at me. I made no such promise. In fact, I plan on laughing about this repeatedly, said Val, winking. Frankie sighed. 
Hmm. Well, soon it was just the five of us, alone in the house. We made our way to the lounge room and partook in copious amounts of inebriation of many varieties. I got up onto the table and started dancing. They made me feel so sexy up there, and I really put on a show for them. Oh, I've seen the videos. I know exactly what kind of show you are capable of performing when you put your mind to it, said Val, taking a deep breath. Well, Frankie said, slowing her hands down. In short order, I was on the couch, between two of them, practicing my skiing technique. Then one was between my legs, doing wondrous things with his tongue. Then I was on all fours, being spit-roasted. Fuck me, it was so fucking hot. Frankie began to move herself a bit faster. Val fought to suppress a gasp. I'm so wet just thinking about it. My God, Val, you can't even imagine. Val frowned and sat upright. Hang on, wait a second. Hey, stop that. Val pulled Frankie's face level with his and looked at her silently for a long moment. You are serious, aren't you? Are you okay? If they hurt you, I swear I will. Frankie blushed and then smiled. Is that some jealousy I hear creeping in, Val? I'm not jealous. You know that. But four? Four guys? At once? Val said through clenched teeth. Looking straight into Val's eyes, Frankie replaced her hands onto his legs. With deft proficiency, she spoke, slowly emphasizing each word with the specific motion of her hands. Val, I loved it. Every fucking minute of it. It's all I can think about. Val made a motion to talk, but Frankie cut him off. Ugh, this overprotective thing is sweet and all, but Val, it was incredible. It just seems a bit excessive, you know? I didn't take you for a sexist, Frankie chuckled. What are you talking about? Why is it fine for you to fuck a group of women, but not for me to fuck a group of men? Point taken, Val said, lying back again. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't taken advantage of. Thank you, Frankie whispered, giving Val a peck on the cheek. When she had him relaxed and attentive again, she continued her story. So, I don't really know how many times I was fucked that night but I do know that I was well and truly satisfied. I think I had a dick inside every possible place they should be placed, and perhaps also places they shouldn't be, she giggled. Buddy, you are painting the most apt word picture. I'm so looking forward to seeing how it all ends, said Val. Oh, the ending is coming soon, don't you worry. Frankie moved faster and began using her lips. Oh, settle down, of course the pun was intended. Mmm, replied Val, squirming in his seat and smiling widely. How, how did they finish? All over me, of course. Frankie went deep for a moment, then coming up for air, replaced her lips with her hands. They put me on my knees in between them. Then one by one, they came. Val grunted and Frankie went faster. One on my chest... Val's breathing got heavier. One of my ass. Frankie used her two hands together. One of my face. Val moaned. And the last one, 
Frankie said, looking up at her friend, making sure her timing was perfect. The last one came right down my throat. So that was Friends with Benefits from Kink Volume 1. It's out now, and the link is in the show notes, so you can grab a copy. Have a great day, and I'll see you for the next Kinky Conversations podcast episode.